Welcome, welcome to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. Joining me tonight is, of course, Brian Solman Solak. I'm I'm Matt, the delightful duck, no longer the dirty, dirty duck. Uh, Abraham will have problems with that. But joining us tonight, of course, the man, the special guest, Keith Law. We have him here to uh, join us for the second time. We're delighted to have you here. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So... Uh, <clears throat> For those for those uh, who don't know what you do, you uh, you you are the man when it comes to prospects and raising farm systems and analyzing players' potential and 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 you know playing God with their futures. I'm I'm kidding, not that at all. Uh, but if you wanted to give a quick uh, quick rundown to our our listeners, uh, what it is that you exactly do and where they can reach sure. you. Sure. So. Yeah, I've, I'm at The Athletic. I've been there for just a touch over three years, um, and you have to be a subscriber to read my stuff, but I am our main prospect writer. So that covers – right now we're talking about pro prospects, and I just published um, essentially a book's worth. It's actually more content, more by word count. What I just wrote over the last three weeks is more than either of my books, mm-hmm. um, oh, which is wow. highly disturbing to me because my books <laughs> took six or seven months to write, and this took six weeks. Oh. So – don't recommend this line of work for the faint of heart. Um, <laughs> so what I just did was rank the top 100 prospects in the minors, rank all 30 farm systems, one through 30. And the real meat of it is the top 20 prospects for each individual team with some additional notes on each organization, on each farm system. Um, as we talk, it is Wednesday night, and tomorrow I'm going to head out for my first uh, draft scouting trip of the year. I also am our draft guy MLB draft guy at least and so the college stuff is starting up and so that's kind of the next stop for me and I I have to say even though I have not really had a ton of downtime a couple days this week to just take it relatively easy this feels like I'm doing something different obviously it's all baseball it's all scouting but the draft and the pro stuff are separate enough at least in my mind that I'm like oh no no I'm, I'm doing the other thing this is the second job and that's fine I don't as long as I'm not still doing the same thing I've been doing for the last six weeks it feels like I'm fresh and I'm ready to do something new uh, real, real quick. You, you met, so you mentioned, you know, your books and your and your publishing and so forth. Has there has there been any any push or any idea in the office with the, the athletic to uh, to publish and make a book yearly? Like like I know Baseball America used to do yeah. it at least. I don't know if they still do. Yeah, I know they've talked about it. Um, I think our concern, and I share this by the way, is that it's just it's got such a short uh, shelf life, and I yeah. would have to write so much earlier in the off season to meet a publishing deadline. And I don't think it would be as good. Okay. Um, I couldn't do Ooh. this, right? I couldn't produce this much content and be writing like when the World Series is still going on and free agency hasn't begun because I have other responsibilities too. I cover, I do when when a free agent, I do free agent rankings and I do trade analyses and free agent analyses if they change teams and those do pretty well for us. Also, it's all sort of part of the job and um, and it, it provides a nice flow to my year where there's never you know there's a couple of crunches. But there's not really any extended period of downtime. I might not write for a few weeks, but I'm still working. And I think trying to turn this into a book would cost me some of that other writing time and content. And and I, I'm not keen on that. And so far they haven't been either. We batted the idea around, no pun intended. And it <laughs> yeah, I think we all sort of agreed this is not very practical, not in a even on an accelerated publishing timetable. Well, you, yeah, you'd probably need a whole. You need a te- you need a team. You need more, a lot more staff. Basically. Right. I'm just I'm a one man show. Yeah. And that's, um, <laughs> oh. and I like it that way. Oh, okay. Um, I've, 
I've always been a solo, you know, solo artist. Um, we have other writers who do prospect related content, but when it comes to this stuff, this is just me and I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes it me, it's mine, right? Mm-hmm. You read me oh, yeah. because you want, you want my voice or you don't read me because you can't stand my voice. That's also, <laughs> that's totally fine. Uh, I got to ask, I mean, I'm sure you probably know them. Jason Churchill and Joe Doyle are my local guys. But Keith Law, mm-hmm. you're my national guy and you're my favorite guy. Please don't tell them that I, I said that, but uh, <laughs> what, 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 what are you different than what these guys do? I mean, just because it's a local thing or I mean, what, what, how come you stand out over these guys? I mean, you guys are all great. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. when I think of prospects, I think of Keith Law. And it might, that might just be because I've been doing it for a long time, right? Jason (laughs) used to work for me over at ESPN, not like reporting to me, but he was a, he was a freelancer, but we worked together for several years and he was amazing. Um, Huge respect for Jason. And he's really, he's, he has worked very hard to carve out his niche also. And I I think he does great stuff. Um, You know, my, what I do different is it's me. You're getting my opinion. You're getting 20 plus years of, of industry experience and scouting experience and, you know, you're also getting my network of contacts, which is unique to me. Um, you know, I actually have, you, you know, I, I cultivate my network maybe a little differently than a lot of other people. Many of these folks are, are real friends. And so it means that our conversations just have kind of a different tenor. Um, you know, I would bet if you sort of stacked them up and, you know, again, put me against people like, say, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, who do wonderful work for MLB Pipeline. And, and it's funny, Jonathan... And I were just talking uh, last week because we're looking at each other's lists also. <laughs> oh, what you got on that guy? And what do you have there? And, you know, I wonder who you talk about. What did about. I miss like, on we, this guy? Yeah. Right. I mean, we've been, I've known Jonathan for 25 years mm-hmm. and okay. huge respect for him. But, you know, if you, I bet if you looked, they probably talked to a fairly different basket of people than I do. And they might actually talk to more people. I talk to fewer people, but I have a different kind of conversations. Neither of them is right or wrong, but this is sort of how I do it. And so you're getting my voice, my perspective, my network, et cetera. And that's going to mean I'm better at some things and probably worse at some other things. But hopefully I add value to the to the crowd of people, especially there's only a few of us who do national prospect writing full time. You know, me, Kylie, who used to work with me, he's over at ESPN full time now, Eric Longenhagen over at Fangraphs, the guys I mentioned at Pipeline, you mentioned Baseball America. That's pretty much it for folks who do national prospect writing and we're, and as our full time jobs. It's a pretty small club, and we all know each other. And I mean, I don't know if they all respect me, but I respect all of them. <laughs> can, can we make you the godfather then of the prospects? Please Let me make you an offer. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty so good the answer. Is thank yes. You. All right. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm Italian, so I had a little leg up on that one. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you, you know, you mentioned you know sources that you talk to and, and connect with. My my question to you then is. Um, how much of a ratio of your final evaluation on a player is based upon maybe you personally seeing him or watching the film or hearing from your sources? Like what kind of ratio are we talking about? It's a great question. And there isn't a single answer to that because it really depends on the player Mm -hmm. and how much I saw him. And honestly, a lot of it is when I saw him too. Um, I think of an example, a fairly minor prospect in the Rangers system, though. I saw the Rangers um, high A affiliate early. I live in Wilmington, Delaware. The Blue Rock Stadium is 10 minutes from me, and they've been nothing but wonderful to me since I moved here 10 years ago. They just rolled out the red carpet. And um, it's because it's so close, it could literally be like six 
10 and I'll turn to my wife and be like, I'm going go to the Blue Rocks game for a couple innings. I just want to see one guy. And it's like, I could do that. It's great. Um, and so that club, that uh, those Hickory, the Rangers affiliate comes through and it was the only time I saw the, that particular group of players over the course of last year. And Ricky Venasco was the starter and Evan Carter, who's the top prospect I have in the Rangers system right now, um, was in the lineup. And neither of them was really very good that day. And so that ended up a case where I set most of what I had seen aside. It's still there if you read the reports. What I saw is in there, but it's more in the background because I spoke to other people and obviously we have, I had access to some data and some other video, et cetera. That all ended up taking pre precedence over um, anything that I saw in person. On the flip side, there were certainly certain guys I saw quite a bit during the season or have seen, especially if I've seen them quite a bit over maybe two seasons. And that can even extend back to their amateurs and then they get drafted and I see them a little bit in pro ball. I happen to see a lot more of the Philly system, the Orioles system, and now the national system because it's the Blue Rocks parent club just because they're near me. And I'd love to see everybody, but just by nature of time, travel budgets, you know, me being old and there's only so many <laughs> things I can do in a day. There's, I have certain players I know I will see more. And I will say, and then, look, if I've seen a player multiple times, especially at different points in the year over a period of two years, you know, and I think I've got a pretty complete picture, that will take precedence. Um, and it's often, it might be a little hard to shake me off the opinion if I've seen a guy multiple times like that. Um, the, the challenge for me is always to avoid developing opinions that are too strong on players I've seen a lot because it will always take precedence in my mind, right? Those, those looks are more available. And so what I find and have learned over the years is my opinions on those players tend to move away from the center. He's really good. He's not good. And that's not right. Lots of players are in the middle and I can't let my takes on certain players become too sharp just because I saw them more in person. And so I've learned to do certain things Matt Mervis with the Cubs is a good example. Colton Kowser at the Orioles, players who fans of those clubs really wanted to see on my top 100, they weren't. I've seen those players quite a bit. I had very specific views, so I made sure to go out and talk to scouts who saw those guys and even talk to some front office analysts about those guys. Say, am I way off here? And nobody knocked me off my the view that I had originally, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm going with this now. Nobody was arguing with me. Matt Mervis is a top 100 guy. And so, but I try to put that extra check in place just to avoid getting too strong and too extreme when it's a player that I've seen a lot and I feel like I really know what he is. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> I, I got to ask I mean, uh, you got my Seattle Mariners number 20 on the list. We talked to you a year ago. Obviously, I know they had Julio Rodriguez and George Kirby, but why why are our Seattle Mariners number twenty on your list for the top, you know, farm systems in MLB? And they also made a couple of significant trades. One in particular, two, there are two guys on the top one hundred who uh, came into baseball as Mariners yes. and are now with Cincinnati Reds. And you got Luis Castillo for them. It's great. No, but yeah. Noel Marte and Edwin Arroyo are both very good prospects who were in the system a year ago. So that's four guys who were pretty highly ranked prospects, not just by me, but by everybody who were in the system a year ago and now no longer qualify or are no longer with the with the Mariners. And that's, I think, pretty much the reason why they're quite a bit lower than they were. 
And now if you look at the system, there isn't much in the way of near-term help that's more than extra outfielder, utility infielder, maybe a fifth starter, relief arm. There's more talent further away in the system, the Harry Fords and the Gabriel Gonzalez's and Cole Young, who's their first rounder last year. Like, I like all those guys. None of them is close, and none of them is storming his way to the big leagues. They're guys with a with a fair bit of upside, but enough risk, enough prob- enough of a, uh, a lower probability of getting to be big league regulars or more that um, you know, I think as a whole, it kind of knocks the system down below the median. I mean, that's really to me, is it in a, you know people, how good is our system? Well, the first thing you ask is top half or bottom half? Are they above the median or below it? I feel pretty confident this is a below the median system. If you want to argue they should be 18 or argue they should be 23, I'm not going to push back on that. But I feel very comfortable that they're in the bottom half. Assuming there aren't any more big trades, um, which there mm-hmm. very well might not be because the big league club is hopefully a playoff contender um, and they'll mm-hmm. need something. Uh, assuming there's no more trades, do you see, the, do you see the, the, uh, the, the farm rising potentially over the course of the year with those yes, younger really guys getting closer? I think so. So let's try to roll the tape forward a little bit. Um, a year from now, Harry Ford's had another year mm-hmm. of well, just another year of reps. We probably have a better idea of whether he's a catcher or not. Good chances we'll start to see some more game power there. Cole Young makes his full season debut this year. We get a better read on just how advanced the bat is. What we saw in those first 17 games after he signed was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Very promising. Gabriel Gonzalez, another guy where like, if this all works out, it's huge power with a plus hit tool. We will see just how far advanced he is in the next year. You know, and, and somebody like Bryce Miller, I'm focusing more on the guys at the top of the system because we just obviously we, they, we feel better about their chances. Yeah. You know, Bryce Miller, he, he could end up in the big leagues this year or he's already their top pitching prospect. Wouldn't surprise me if he if he's still eligible for the list next year, item 75th on the top 100, he could easily be a top 50 prospect next year. Cause we, you know, the command continues to improve. He's made such strides since they got him into the system. I feel like that's the kind of guy I'll bet on him continuing to improve. And then he, next year, two other things happen. One is they have, I believe two extra picks in the draft this year. And while they don't pick high for their first pick, they have a huge bonus pool as a result. And they'll be able to do quite a bit with those extra picks. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they manipulated the money a little bit and went well over slot with one of those picks to get whoever the the good, probably high school guy who slides a little bit, go get that guy. The way the Rangers did actually was in the fourth round, which was kind of amazing. They took Brock Porter, who was by all accounts, a first round caliber high school arm. They got him in the fourth round because he had a huge bonus demand. They took Kumar Rocker with their first round pick, paid him well under slot, and took basically everything that was left and gave it to, to Porter. And the other thing is I do not, in my farm rankings, consider uh, the international free agents who just signed, the 16-slash-17-year-olds who just okay. signed a couple of weeks ago. But the Mariners signed arguably the best or second-best one in the whole class, Fermin Celestin, mm-hmm. and – Hey, if he's what everybody seems to think he is, nobody's really seen this guy play for a year or more. But yeah. if he's what the Mariners think he is, if he's what other folks think he is, yeah, he's going to be on the list a year from now. So add wow. a draft class and him and hopefully progress from some of these guys we mentioned. Yeah, they're going to – the system should look quite a bit better because they're in a good position to add quite a bit of talent this year if, as you said, yeah, as you brought up, you know, they could also yeah. trade a bunch of these guys. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, and that's fine. That's, win, go win. That's, that's what the what farm's for, yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree. 
and and they do they have they could put together another pretty good trade you know i think they've got one more they have enough bullets left to do one more deal like a castillo type deal if the opportunity arises okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna skip ahead to a question that <clears throat> i i was gonna save for uh, far later then because it, it comes up it fits here we were talking about the the the, the major league club uh do you mm-hmm. feel in your own in your own opinion uh do you feel they did enough in this offseason to fill the holes and 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 take a step forward further into the playoffs uh, i i think they i think it's a better club i nothing they were going to do this offseason was going to be as in, in uh, important impactful as the acquisition of castillo yeah i mean yeah. that to me was that was their big move that's huge yeah it's fine i mean i'm i'm, I'm saying that as in in praise yeah. of the move and you know, now they get a whole season of him next year. They're going to be a better club. Do they catch the Astros in the regular season? <laughs> probably not, but it's possible, mm-hmm. right? I think there are certainly scenarios where that happens. And you never I, I feel like when you're chasing a juggernaut like the Astros or like the Dodgers, I mean, this is the, the Padres problem. The Padres, kind of like the Mariners on, on the other in the National League, where it's like, yeah, we're chasing a 100-win team. We're just going to go for it anyway. We're going to build the best team we possibly can. If that wins the division for us, awesome. If it doesn't, we put together the best team we possibly could. We get into the playoffs, and we see where it takes us. I think that's kind of where the Mariners are. They have just decided we don't care about the Astros. We can't care about the Astros because otherwise you'd like cry yourself to sleep. We're never catching them. What, look at what they did the last two years. You know, A win away from the playoffs two years ago, went out, supplemented, supplemented, kept adding, 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 gets them into the postseason. And you know, I think they are definitely a favorite to get back to the postseason. I think it is – you know, the Astros are still the favorite to win the division, but the Mariners are at least within spitting distance where you can definitely see scenarios where they end up catching the Astros. Uh, they get a little lucky or maybe they're healthier than the Astros are over the course of a season and they end up winning the division. That's probably the best you can ask for. Fair enough. Um, uh, we got a little rapid fire for you. We want to talk about some of your prospects you had on the top 20 for the Mariners. Maybe I'm a little. Maybe Matt and I are a little biased. But we had we had the sales sports unit had a sit down interview with Bryce Miller last year when mm-hmm. he was playing with the Everett Aquasocks. Amazing guy. The guy is mm-hmm. absolutely talented. I mean, I know you briefly mentioned him, but I mean, where where is the chances of him making the big league? I mean, getting called up to the big league club this this year a possibility. And what is the ceiling probably? I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So two two separate answers. Could he appear in the big leagues this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll depend more on need than anything else. Okay. They don't have a they don't have a lot of openings right now. If somebody gets hurt, you know, I don't even want to say a name because you you don't want to. I don't believe in <laughs> guy, but right, you just I don't even don't want it to it. sound like I'm hoping someone's going to get hurt. Right, I'm yeah. not saying that. It's just pitchers get hurt. They just they do. do, right? And Miller is if they need somebody for more than just a spot start. If so, hey, we we're going to need somebody to make ten starts while you know so and so is on the injured list. I mean, Miller's probably their best bet. I don't think he's 100% ready. He was on my top 100, and I have him as their top pitching prospect because he has upside. He is – he is, and because the trajectory, that trend line is really pointing up. Um, you know, filthy. the fact that – Filthy to watch yeah, it's and filthy, over it. Right? It's a, it is a big fastball with high spin, so he can pitch off of it too, which we really – you know, that's – we love seeing that. There's so many guys who pitch away from the fastball now because they throw really hard. You can teach almost anyone to throw hard, yeah. but does the fastball have quality to it? His does. And he's got a plus slider, and he's actually shown he can even work that. 
back foot to lefties and get some chases. And then he's got a change up, which is really coming along. And it's developed quite a bit since he got into pro ball. He is the Mariners have done such a great job. Their player development folks have done such a great job with him. This is a guy who had kind of a bad delivery in college and walked a ton of guys, but the Mariners looked at him and said, that's a great athlete with a great arm and some other characteristics we like. Let's see what we can do. And they have just done incredible work with him. And that's a credit to, to the, always to the player, but I, I like to just give the credit to the coaching staffs too. They've done really good things. He's got a, the arm swing is better. He's shorter. He can repeat it now. I think he's really got a chance to get to better command to continue to improve the command um, as he just continues to pitch, continues to get comfortable with this better, um, with this, you know, slightly shorter arm action. And that all gives him a chance, I think, to be like a number two starter. And I recognize there's, uh, there's definitely a risk here that he ends up in the bullpen, but I am betting on him staying a starter and then having a, a pretty hot, being a pretty high upside, a guy who pitches in the front half of a, of a good rotation, because especially those first two pitches are so good. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he keeps improving, yeah, I'll 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 bet on guys like that. Uh, building on that real quick, I know Matt's got a question for you, but see, we we interviewed I don't know eight or ten Aquas Aquas last year, including Bryce Miller, and everyone's everyone said that they did not know the Mariners were looking at them. Is that just a coincidence, or or is that common in MLB where the players don't seem to think that the the you know the big league clubs that drafted before they were drafted, them, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think after the first round, it's usually you've probably got most teams. You know, if you're a second to fifth round, especially a second to fifth rounder, probably every team is just checking in on you. You know, every okay. area scout for teams that do have area scouts still, they probably all turned you in. They probably all, you know, asked you to fill out a questionnaire, et cetera. So you're like, yeah, I don't know. That's, you know, I filled out 27 questionnaires. Okay. They're probably interested. Whereas in the first round, you get that situation where teams are really bearing down. And it's, you know, a lot of teams in the first round will say, you know, we're not looking at last year, Jackson Holiday was the first pick, right? If you picked, if you were the team picking 19th, you probably didn't spend a lot of time on Jackson Holiday, right? So he's not getting to us. Yeah. So let's not waste our time or his at that point. And then lower down in the draft, it would be, uh, you know, later, even this could be even true after the fifth round, I think particularly later in the draft, after the 10th round, there might only be a few teams interested in you. So it wouldn't be as much of a surprise. Oh, only five scouts reached out to me or, or you know, one scout saw me more than any other, than any scout from any other club. So it would be a little more obvious. But my guess is the guys you saw from the Aqua Sox were kind of in that middle ground where every team was on them and they didn't really know which team in particular might draft them. Okay. Um, so... <clears throat> Going back to, to prospects from your list that, uh, that that drew my eye and I wanted to get your thoughts on more, mm -hmm. more, more, more information on at least. Mm -hmm. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on, on the current state of Emerson Hancock and, and where he's – it's like he's kind of stalled. I know he was hurt for a, a large portion of, of his developmental career it seems like. But to have yeah, Bryce Miller really pass him, it's just kind of interesting. Everybody passed him, right? I know. Everybody it seems like him. it. Yeah. It's not fair to say Gilbert because Gilbert was drafted the year before. Yeah. But God, I remember Hancock was one of the last players I saw before the shutdown. Mm -hmm. uh, it was about three weeks before the shutdown. I went down to Athens to see him and Cole Wilcox. They were both in the rotation there. And um, Wilcox was just better, I thought. Um, at the time, he, everybody liked Hancock more. Wilcox definitely had the better arm. Um and any, I think he looked better that particular weekend. But I think the story to answer the question on Hancock, 
uh, you're right. The story is he's just not been healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank goodness it hasn't been a catastrophic injury. He hasn't had like major shoulder surgery or yeah. even Tommy John. Um, and, you know, he's got the velocity is still pretty good. And the slider's an above average pitch. And you could argue the changeup's an above average pitch. And despite the fact, if you just scout the stat line, right, this guy gave up a ton of home runs. And it was mostly on the fastball. He was just missing location with the fastball. But overall, he wasn't giving up a terribly hard, like a, a, a substantial amount of hard contact. It was a pretty small number of pitches, which when he misses, when he really misses, hitters jumped on it. That's not good. But it, that's better than a guy who's just getting like smoked all over the ballpark, yeah. right? Like this, yeah. that it, it's not that. It's not like, oh God, this guy's just hittable. It is a fastball that's a little bit hittable. And he's got to avoid, he's really got to improve his command of it. And when I see a guy who's got a lat or oblique injury also, but is trying to pitch, I mean, he missed a lot of time, but he still threw 98 innings. I'm sure there was plenty of outings where he was pitching that wasn't 100%. Did yeah. that inhibit him? You can never say for sure, but I like to consider the possibilities. And that's why I'm not giving up on Emerson Hancock. I'm not even saying I don't think he's a, you know, I think it would be easy to walk away from Hancock's performance and looks last year and say, I don't think that guy's a starter. I'm not there. I think he's a starter. He just might be more towards the back end than what the Mariners thought they were getting when they drafted him originally, Mm -hmm. because the command may just not be there, but. There's still that, I don't know, 5 10% chance that you just get a fully healthy Emerson Hancock this year, and he pitches like a you know number three or even number two starter. I, I don't think that's out of the question. I just don't think it's that likely anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's been unfortunate to watch. I've been watching him and you know following him, and it's it's always, like you said, it's never a major injury. It's just always something. There's no. always something, unfortunately, and it's just kind of yeah. like they all add up, yeah. and yeah, everyone yeah. passed and then, him. And, and then he's not – pitching at his best yeah. right Who, who's gonna look their best when he's at you know 85 80 percent and he's you know the, it's one of those where I, part of me wants to credit him for trying to pitch through it but on the other hand it's like maybe he just needed to maybe he should have shut it down earlier no pitcher yeah. really wants to do that you you know hopefully a full off season of rest we get him back we see where he is this spring and and then obviously if he holds up but i i Again, I, I want to throw a little optimism on that one. I understand everyone's frustrated. I'm sure he's really frustrated. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah. he wasn't – the stuff wasn't bad. That's yeah. where I would get worried. And he – like I said, he wasn't getting just whacked all over. Like there are little signs in there that make me say this this could turn around quickly mm-hmm. just with health. And so that's what I'm really hoping for from him this year. Okay. Uh, one last player I got, I got to ask about. I might be a little biased because I am the president of his fan club, but Mr. Isaiah Campbell, pitcher they drafted a few years ago from Arkansas. I mean, I know he's gone through some, you know, injuries. He came out, came. They drafted him as a starter. Now it looks like he's going to be a seventh or eighth inning reliever. And I mean, yep. what are what what's does he have a shot to make the big big club this year? Get called up or? Yeah, I would be surprised if. Um, he's still eligible next year. Like I think he pitches enough in the big leagues this year to, to lose his rookie status, which puts him off my list because it's, it's pretty now, right? It's, it's, you know, I had 95, 97 on him. It's a plus slider. It's always been a plus slider. It's a good arm. He's athletic. You know, he kind of can't hold up as a starter. And I don't know that this was really a starter delivery or work, you know, command wise, but you know what, in the pen is the stuff, the, you know, you move a guy like that to the pen, you hope the velocity will increase. And it did. Uh, what I was saying, 95, 97, that's where he is now as a reliever. And even though he is just working with those two pitches, 
The slider's a real chase pitch, pitch against right-handers, and he's able to get left-handers out. You know, he's only going to face them once. So if you're not asking a guy to turn a lineup over, he might be able to pull that off. And I think the slider's sharp enough that he can either backdoor it or throw it to the back foot of a left-handed batter and be able to, to hold them down enough to be, like you said, a seventh, eighth inning guy. And maybe over time he progresses into more high leverage work. I, I really like him. He's He is just a reliever. I don't rank those guys very aggressively, but I like him for what he is. Brian's definitely the uh, the head of his fan club, met his parents and, mm-hmm. and, and everything, and interviewed him a couple times for us. Um, oh, nice. My uh, – my next my my my, la- my next player I want to hit you with is the Vanilla Missile himself. Uh, mm-hmm. I said for um, a future marketing career uh, that he must have ahead of him because he's already selling merch yeah. under that name. That was great. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, what what is his uh, what what do you think about him? What does his future look like for baseball? I liked that pick. He is a long term project. That is a bet on you know, athleticism and he, you know, to me he's the a little bit of the classic the old style of high school pitcher you would often take you know in the first round they took him in in the competitive with a competitive balance pick after the second round this was back before everybody threw 95 you would take a guy like that who had a really good delivery and showed you who could spin the ball and everything was a work in progress but you you, you know you like the athleticism you like the kid you know he was super super young he's one of the youngest players in the entire draft class um, he does have the present velocity, and he can spin the ball, but there's a lot of other things we're working on here. He needs a third pitch. He tends to be very north-south pitching with the fastball and the breaking ball right now. Um, there is, you know, I don't think it's particularly strong command and control right now. He hasn't had to face a lot of great competition so far. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he rolled out to low A because we don't have short season anymore. And maybe he struggled, or maybe he's just really inconsistent in this first year. And that's you know what? That's fine. This is a guy who might be four or five years before he's really having an impact on the major league roster, but I do like him. I like this kind of player. And I feel like I wouldn't take him in the first round based on what we know about the risk of high school pitching. Mm -hmm. But when you have extra picks, you want to take him third, fourth round, something like that all day long. I like Ford. I like Ford quite a bit. I liked him, ranked him higher than where they took him. And I love seeing them, you know, after a long time, it was like Jerry's philosophy, even going back to the angels, college, 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 college. You can't do that. You can't just be that rigid and just sticking to the college ranks. And I think taking someone like Ford, as long as you're not taking him with your first pick, it's a great guy to have in your system, especially if you trust your pitching development people. And like I was saying earlier, if you really like what they did with Bryce Miller, I see no reason they can't help Walter Ford get to get to an above average ceiling. It just might take more time. Hopefully we we see a Ford Ford battery at some point down the road. Mm-hmm. Walter like to Harry. That. Yep, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, what we're going to move on? I, I, we had some some rule changes uh, that we wanted to ask you about, uh, Brian. Yeah, sure. You had Brian. You had one. I do. I was curious what you thought about the larger bases compared to the smaller ones. I mean, honestly, did they really just do this just to help out the empires? I mean, what are your thoughts? Um. Yeah, I. I <laughs> My my answer on almost all the rule changes, other than the pitch clock, big fan of the pitch clock. Oh, yeah. uh, my answer on almost all the rule changes is they're, they have no idea what the impact is actually going to be. They just don't. Major League Baseball is terrible at anticipating the consequences of its actions, including rule changes. And so um, 
the pitch clock is the one rule that I love because I, it actually made a difference, made a huge difference in shortening minor league games. Yep. All of the other rules for me are very much like you don't even know what you're messing with. I hope that making the bases larger and limiting pickoff throws gets us more stolen bases. That would be great and also reduces injuries. I and mean, I know they're not common, but when they tend to happen around the bases, they can be pretty bad. Yeah. That could be good. But I also worry that something else is going to happen in there that we're not foreseeing. And Major League yeah. Baseball, I think, has always been a little bit cavalier about these rule changes. Um, the one that comes up the most is the shift. And I think it's kind of going to be a pain in the neck and is not my, – my guess is it doesn't increase – hits on balls in play anywhere near as much as they want it to. I think teams will still position their defenders well enough that it'll be a small increase. There will be an increase, but it'll be nowhere near as much as they want. Um, yeah, no, when I think about base injuries, I'll never forget. I think it was Jeff Jenkins from Milwaukee sliding mm -hmm. in and dislocating yeah. his ankle. Oh, God. And they showed it on slow motion 400 times, and oh, it was yeah. just horrifying. Uh, for me, it was probably around the same time, maybe a little bit sooner. It was Jason Kendall. Oh, yeah. Stepped funny on first base and then limped off, and you could see it was just the yeah. foot was clearly not really attached anymore. Um, oh, yeah. 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 So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm okay with the base the base safety, uh, an increase in the safety around the bases. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think of the ghost runner rule that they implemented this, this week? The, uh, that, that, that the extra stuck with it. The zombie runner. Yeah, I, 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 I hate it. Okay. It's stupid. That's Good. not baseball. That is 100%. You know, I live with it in the minors because it makes the yeah. games a little shorter. And the problem in the minors is they, they do run out of pitching. Yeah. That's... And, you know, I had somebody from Major League Baseball. It's like, dude, you you are the voice of, you know, don't overuse these pitchers. Having the extra runner means we're not going to overuse anybody or much less likely yeah. to overuse anybody. It's like, fine. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm a curmudgeon about this stuff, right? Like, that's well... fake. Well, it it, it, make, it makes sense. Oh, I mean, it, it, logically, you and had to admit it yeah, right. for, the, for, for the yes, miners. I, miners only. That's where I am. I, I, I can live with it. Yeah. I will say the first time it happened, um, I still remember it was the Winston-Salem was here, and I had that, I like looked down, you know, I was, whatever I was reading or something. I look up at the start of the game, like, oh, my God, I missed, who doubled? Right? <laughs> what? And it was a good, like, 30 seconds where I was like, oh, that's the, that's the, the the zombie runner like yeah. what yeah and so i'll never i'll never like it um and i don't think it belongs in the majors i have learned to live with it in the minors because again it's in service of a, of a pretty admirable goal actually yeah um one of the one of the things we, yeah brian and i this last year at the at the august Sox games we started out and i remember we were at least i was very opposed to the clock at, at first but over the course mm -hmm. of the year it's just kind of like wow you know it's these games are getting getting through, and we're getting through them, and and you know players aren't long you know lollygagging around, you know, and yeah, it doesn't impact the game. The game still is, is exciting, the plays still happen, the pitches still happen, everything everything just moves a little faster and a lot easier. Yeah, and, you know, there's there, there's a Dr. Mike Son S O N N E has has written you know there's a con there is a concern that pitchers might be a little more likely to get hurt because they're not they're actually getting you know slightly less rest in between pitches. The and that that could be a short term, a pretty negative consequence of this, but it should provide an, an incentive for pitchers to not try to throw quite as hard on every pitch, right? I'm not, I haven't, the battery's not quite back at 100%, so I got to take a little something off, and maybe we get a little more offense out of that. I actually feel like that might do do more to boost offense than 
and to boost just balls hit into play that fall in for hits than even banning the shift will. I could be wrong. Like I said, we're all kind of bad at foreseeing the consequences of changes yeah. like this. I'm not pretending I'm any better than anybody else. Um, but it also, like to me, the pitch clock is like, – I like its main function. I also think there might be a secondary consequence that's pretty good. Um, yeah, it, one of the other things that was, was funny in the uh, in the rule implementation this, this last uh, year was we had – I forget who it was who was rehabbing. Was it um, Hanniger? Might have been Hanniger, yeah. Mitch mm-hmm. Hanniger rehabbing. Yeah. And he got to second base, and he stopped, and he looked down at the base because they had the large bases uh, in the minors last year. And he, mm-hmm. you could tell he was sitting there going, what the heck is that? Why is that so huge? <laughs> and he, he was chatting yeah. with the shortstop like, dude, what, what yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's like um, when the, a few of the pitchers started wearing the, the protective hats, yeah. which, you know, I'm never going to shame anybody for wanting to do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but it looks funny. Like, I guess. Also, yeah. I was like, are you hiding someone under there? Like, what am I seeing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, besides the Seattle Mariners, Matt and I both have a couple favorite teams. So we were, mm-hmm. and then my boss wants me to ask you a question too. But <laughs> um, Boston Red Sox are my favorite team. Give me one player to look. Who's? Who, give me one player who's going to stand out in their minor league system that maybe we maybe I don't know that that person or the fans don't know Red Sox Nation that you think is going to rise in their organization. Um, you know, so not Marcelo Mayer, for example, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or uh, or Saddam Raffaella, where yeah. I think even he's become famous enough, right? Um, you know, I'll say I'll, I'll give you two actually. So my sleeper for them, I give a sleeper prospect for every team every year, um, and it's a guy I think he's poised poised to make a big jump. So he's not there yet, but I think he'd make a big jump forward. I really like Edison Paulino. I don't exactly know what his position is, and he does need to put on some muscle, but he's really young, and he played five different positions last year, and I think I don't think he's a shortstop. I think he can pretty much play, um, but he could. He could be. I'm not totally ruling it out, but, but you know, if you were actually trying to put money on something, maybe it's second base, but he's starting to hit the ball a little bit harder. There was a ton of extra base hits last year. I like his approach. I think his pitch recognition is very good for his age. He's just got a lot of the ingredients there for someone who makes kind of a big jump forward. And the other one, my sleeper from last year for them was Matt Lugo, a Puerto Rican shortstop who's probably going to move over to third base. And he had, I would say he, he was, he did like half of what I wanted him to do, two thirds of what I wanted him to do. He didn't really break out entirely, but he was much better. And uh, you know, I think the big thing for him is he. I don't know if he's really ever going to walk enough to be more than a solid regular, more than like an average everyday guy at third base. But that's still pretty good. I'll take Absol- that. He's absolutely. hitting the ball harder. There's definitely some pop. I think he'll be pretty good defensively over there at third. Um, and honestly, with all the shortstops they have with Mayer there, and they just drafted Mikey Romero last year, he's definitely a shortstop. I might just say with Luca, we're just going to put you at third base now. Your future in this organization is clearly not at short. Let's get you to third. Have you developed there? Maybe he goes over there and turns out he's great. And then he's a better prospect than any of, any of us realized. And that's the kind of thing you might only discover once you play, play him there regularly. Okay. I like to hear that. I'm just a little concerned with what Mr. Bloom's doing there, but we'll, we'll give him another year and see what happens. Um, <laughs> now that my next question is for my boss, good friend of mine too. I've known him for 30 years, but He's a Yankee fan, so I won't. I knew hold it. To- I was like, oh god! Someone statistically, one of these people is going to be a Yankees fan. I grew up a Yankee fan. I, I kid. Fair enough. Um, 
Antonio Gomez, fifth fifth ring prospect for he's a catcher. He wants to know. Uh, he 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 seemed to be a fan of. Um, I, I apologize, a catcher Austin Wells. Wells, thank you. Who's ranked? I think just below him. I mean, does this does this mean mm-hmm. to the Yankees that Gomez has a faster track to ML to the big club? Or I mean, what are your thoughts? No, well, Wells is quite a bit closer. He's just not a very good catcher. Like, I've okay. seen a lot of play. Now, that's a guy I saw a lot of. And going back to college, in college, people were like, this guy can really hit. He can't catch. And I, there's, I've seen nothing from this guy to change my opinion on him. He's just not a very good receiver. Um, and he's got some arm strength, but because of the arm stroke and where his body is, I don't even think it plays up all that well. Like He's going to hit enough to play in the big leagues. I would be surprised if he spent much time at catcher in the big leagues. I just think that I'm talking like basic, like blocking and receiving. Okay. It's just not there. And some guys just aren't catchers. Whereas Gomez, on the other hand, who signed, you know, he was 16. It was five years ago, almost five years ago at this point. He was a good catch and throw guy. So he already had the defensive foundation there. And the hope was that he would, as he would fill out, he would start to get to some power. And what we saw last year was he started really to, to hit, I think even a little bit ahead of or, or beyond expectations. And then that allowed him to get to more of the power. So I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about him. He did not make my top 100. I thought that was probably getting ahead of things, but yeah. he's pretty good actually. And he's like, that would be the guy, you know, he's not going to get there faster. I think he was mostly in low A last year, um, if not entirely in low A. And so it's that's two levels behind where Wells was. But Gomez is the guy, I think, if they're going to have a homegrown catcher at some point, it's more likely to be him. Okay. All right. As long as he doesn't beat up on my Red Sox, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have to ask about my NL team, um, the mm-hmm. cream of the crop, the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, you oh, know, God, yes. they've got a rich embarrassment <laughs> of riches. But uh, who's who's My someone? One farm system. Yeah, who's uh, who's someone that uh, your sleeper? Who's who's who should I watch? Who's their pick to click? So, um, you know, it, they made a trade last uh, last spring, last spring training, like maybe right after the lockout ended, where they sent uh, Matt Beatty. Oh yeah to the Padres for a two-way guy who'd just been drafted out of UNC Pembroke, not exactly a baseball powerhouse, named River Ryan. And the Dodgers, they great job by their pro scouts, and they were like, just get this guy on the mound, have him stop hitting. He's a super athlete. Let's see what happens. And they get him, and the velocity takes off almost immediately. He's bumped 100. He's 93-97 with huge vertical break. He's got a three-pitch mix. Like I say, he's a great athlete. The delivery works great. He missed a ton of bats. He doesn't walk a ton of guys. Like if I'd continued ranking another 20 names, he would have been on it. And I mean, I, to get that guy from Matt Beatty, like, <laughs> I mean, it's a pitcher. Obviously things can happen, but yeah. it's like, it makes you think of the, you know, the White Sox traded Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. What were you thinking? Did you <laughs> not know yeah. what you had? And the truth yeah. is the White Sox didn't know what they had. No. I wonder the Padres are a pretty good scouting organization. I think they just didn't see it. And credit to the Dodgers scouts. I don't know specifically who it was, but somebody saw this. Somebody there, I know that for a fact, somebody was was saying that's the guy to go get. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I've had questions about the Padres player analysis for a while. I mean, after the Mariners fleeced them so badly in uh the Thai France trade. Um mm-hmm. you know, I mean they you know and then yeah, like you said the BD trade. It's just it they're I I don't not sure they know exactly what they have sometimes. It's it's interesting. 
Um, yep. But the other team, the other team, and this is a team that I keep an eye on only because they're I, I love to watch and see what they do is the Athletics. Um, mm-hmm. They're always unconventional, in, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and I'm curious as to as to who 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 we should watch from them. Um, yeah, it's a bad system. <laughs> it's a bad system. <laughs> I know it's a bad system now, but it you know. There's going to be something there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got, like, I like Zach Geloff a ton, not just because he's from Delaware, where I live. He's from the okay. other part of the state. Slow, slower, lower, as we call it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think he can really hit. But, you know, he got hurt last year, and he wasn't 100% when he came back for the AFL. It was a shoulder injury. I think when he's fully healthy, though, you, you've got a solid average regular at third, maybe even a chance for a little bit more. I think they've got getting him out of UVA and allowing him – to attack more earlier in the count as opposed to was, I saw him at UVA and it was almost like he was always hitting with two strikes. I mean, that meaning his approach, not the actual count. I like him a lot. I think Denzel Clark's really fascinating. The odds of him working out are really low, but that is one of the best pure athletes anywhere in the minors. It's 80 raw. I think it's 80 run. He could definitely play center, but he punched out like 32% of the time last year. And he's not young. He would, he really he's Canadian born went to college in, in California. He hasn't actually played a ton of baseball. You got to hang on to that guy and just, and just wait. And if it clicks at 25, 26, maybe it means it's a little shorter peak. So what the peak could be really high. If he, if he actually does make more contact, it's impact all over the place. So I, I really like that guy. I, you know, it's not top one. It's not even close to it. It is really hard to see a guy like that play. Mm-hmm. And not walk away thinking, ooh, can I have more of those? <laughs> Where did that guy come from and are there more? <laughs> nice. Um, I know we're getting to the end. My final question is, can we expect to see you in the Northwest this summer, whether it's at Everett or Tacoma or going to hit the Bell Northwest League? Uh, the Futures game. I'll be there for the Futures game. Are you will be. Yep, absolutely. I have not missed a Futures game, um, it, you know, other than the year they didn't hold it. Since 2005, I've been okay. to, I don't know how many straight that is. That's math. I don't do math anymore. That's, <laughs> that's very much not true. I do math all the time. So whatever. I've been to 15 or 16 straight, something like that. Um, I love the Futures game. I wish it was still nine innings, but I'll be there for that. And I, I'm assuming they'll just hold the draft afterwards because they're trying to kill me. Uh, and so I'll be there for that as well. And yeah, then that... last year I ended up, I just stuck around for another day so I could finish my writing rather than jumping on a plane immediately, especially while they're still drafting. So yeah. um, we'll see how it works out and if there's other stuff I can do, but I'll probably like pop in on Saturday and then leave Tuesday before the actual All-Star game because I have nothing to do with that. And I would rather leave before the before the Madden crowd hits for the airport on Wednesday. Right on. Can we say hello to you if we see you? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I would be extremely offended if you didn't. No, no, we have to I, keep I your distance. The Godfather. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's uh, nothing personal, just business. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one final one final question. Um, and I, that that question is, who is your sleeper team? For the whole MLB this year, who's the team that you think that people aren't watching that you think is going to just turn the corner? And That's a great question. At least make the playoffs or at least make a run on the playoffs. I feel like the D-backs, maybe that doesn't result in a playoff spot. That team is going to be better than people think. Playing and they're relevant you know, baseball. They get a full season of, full season of Corbin Carroll. Mm-hmm. 
Brandon Fott probably ends up in the rotation sooner rather than later. We saw Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson get to the big leagues. They'll end up pitching a bunch of innings for them this year. Like I, th- I liked the Varsho trade. I think it's Varsho, but you have Corbin Carroll and you know Carson Kelly's just never hit. So yeah. you know they get Moreno. My guess is he ends up catching maybe ninety to one hundred and ten games for them this year. I think he's really good. Like they're, yeah, it's a tough division where you got you know the juggernaut. Padres are really good. And I don't think the Giants are are playoff worthy, but they're going to hang around. They're good enough to cause you some trouble. So, you know, I think the Diamondbacks might still be the third best team in the division, but I absolutely think that's a team that's better than people think and will be certainly be way more interesting to watch as they bring in a bunch of these young players I just mentioned. Poor Colorado Rockies don't even get mentioned. It's not. It's, it's not good. I actually like their farm system. It's not good. And the help is not. There's help on the way. Oh, yeah. It's not close. Yeah. It's no. just not close. We interviewed the new Aqua Sox manager this this uh, this week, uh, Ryan Scott, whose father is mm-hmm. the pitching coach for the Rockies. And I had to give him my oh. condolences for his father because it's really hard to coach pitching there <laughs> oh my god it, it's in it is a higher level of difficulty you know i remember it was god who was it was it the, it was like um was it athletics nation years ago pointing out that you know we're also obsessed with the fact that breaking stuff doesn't break the same way at altitude and they're like yeah but you know what else two seamers don't move as much fastballs with mo- that would have movement don't move as much at altitude and i understand the humidor mutes that a little bit but that's still clearly a factor and it's like God, that's the the thing you we always thought. Oh, just you know, sinker ballers, two seamers, right? Flashballs with movement that will always play at altitude. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a if there is a key to pitching, to having is running a successful pitching staff at altitude, no one's figured it out. Yeah. And that is just that GM job will all, even get it even aside from the owner, who certainly one of the worst in baseball. Yeah, that job will that GM job will always come with a higher level of difficulty. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're nearing the end of our show here. We like to do uh, shout outs and so forth of some positive things. But first, I want to give you a chance uh, to hype uh, where people can find you uh, down sure. on social media or. Yep. Um, so as long as Twitter still exists, I will be there. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just and pretty much anywhere I am. I'm, I try to go with just Keith Law, all one word. Um, I am on, like I said, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Spoutable, which is actually probably of all the Twitter alternatives that have popped up the most interesting one so far, just also at Keith Law, Facebook at Keith Law Writer, Instagram. It's not baseball content. If you want to see pictures of food and other interesting things I find, that's just Mr. Keith Law, MR Keith Law. Right. Uh, I keep a blog of my own, meadowparty.com slash blog. Been keeping that since 2006. It's a lot of, um, it's all non-baseball content. It's movies, board games, books, food, sort of whatever catches my fancy that I feel like writing about. And of course, you can find me at The Athletic, which is where all of my, all, everything I do that's baseball related ends up on The Athletic. You do have to be a subscriber, but usually if you go there, we've got various deals running. So you can just go to one of my articles. And if you're not a subscriber and you feel like signing up, you will be prompted many, many times to do so. <laughs> okay, I can't resist my nerd, my nerd urge real fast. Best or your favorite board game right now? Um, my all-time favorite is Seven Wonders. Okay. Um, I think that's the you know so you need three people for it. it's the only negative I can say about it. I love that game. I actually just got Edifices, which is the new expansion, which I haven't cracked open yet. Um, but really like that game, and I am in the midst of a campaign with uh, a friend of mine around here who is also a board game designer. Um, 
of uh, the game. I don't know if you're familiar with the game called Clank, but they made oh, a yeah. legacy version. Yep. So it's like a campaign, a 10 session. Yep. So we got to get back to it. We both got super busy holidays, my prospect writing, but it's the first legacy game I've ever played that made me like the original even more. I'm like, oh, this is actually a really good game. Yep. I, I definitely gave this short shrift. <laughs> so that's one I, I have um, definitely gained a new appreciation for and I've played it a good bit. Um, not recently, recently, but right before the holidays, at least we played it a bunch of times and, and we were both like, yeah, this is really, really good. All right. Um, okay. So shout outs. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with Brian here. Uh, something, uh, something positive person you want to call out, give a good credit to, et cetera. Before I do that, I'm, I do have to add one quick question. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for it. Are you going to write any more books, Keith? All your books have been amazing. I'm just <laughs> curious, is that a possibility down the road? It's always a possibility. There's nothing, um, nothing cooking right now. Um, okay. You know, it's always it. It is. A, it's part time, but it's more that the, you know, the muse has to speak to me, right? I just when it's when the idea came to me for each of the first two books, when the idea was there, I couldn't wait to start writing, and that's what I need. I'm not going to write a book just to write a book because, and I know people do that. It's fine. That's a way to make a living. That's not me. I won't. I won't do it and I won't do a good job, but when I, an idea will come to me at some point, I don't force it. You know, two came to me already. It's two more of the books than I ever thought I would write. So I feel like eventually an idea for a third will, will pop up. We'll, we'll be waiting for it. I'll definitely be number one in line for that. For sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, my, my shout out again, my wife's been going through a lot of health problems lately. So I just want to give a shout out to her. I love you, honey, and keep battling. I, you're an inspiration to me. We're going to get through this. So I just wanted to shout out to her. All right. I, I will, I will uh, be uh, equally, equally sappy and give a shout out to my girlfriend. We had a Valentine's weekend this past weekend. It was uh, wonderful. And, uh, and yeah, I don't want to say any more than that, I guess. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> I mean, you make me feel like I should do the same thing, right? I should give a shout out to my lovely wife, who's, uh, you know, just incredibly busy with work this time of year, too. That's, I mean, so many of the nights the last three or four weeks have been the two of us just sitting in bed with our computers, typing, writing furiously, or, um, you know, she's, uh, she's her doing her work very furiously up until the, the small hours of the morning, and she's been a, a huge support to me. Through that and through some other stuff that I've had going on, like in my personal life recently, and and uh, I I absolutely couldn't do it without her. That's awesome, wonderful. Um, so then we're a bunch we're... of hopeless romantics. <laughs> <Yes>, we are. <laughs> and on that note, I will uh, let you guys know. This is thank you for listening to the Seattle Sports Union podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Captivate, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you can hear podcasts these days there's so many out there uh and with that i will say thanks again and uh go mariners